We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, happy holidays to you guys. I mean, uh, you know, getting the getting Christmas time really officially here is crazy. It's just like kind of just this is the period where it just everything just melts into like a one week. It feels like there's no more bye bye weeks. The kids are home from school. It's just it's just pure chaos here in my house. And then uh, you know, it's just gonna only move faster from here on out. So wait, do you have the Thanksgiving actually at your house? No, we don't host. Uh, I don't really like to host often. I like to, we like to go and then use the kids' excuse to make exits. <laughs> that's the way to. That's the way to do it. We had a <laughs> Sunday. My, we had a Thanksgiving at my my mother in law's house, and like my kid was just losing his mind. I didn't even have to use him as an excuse to leave. Like I'm pretty sure everybody was thrilled that we uh, got the hell out of there. And Daigle, I know you were not needing an excuse to leave because you're always happy. What's up, Daigle? How are we doing? And yeah, I don't have an excuse anyway. So I kind of have to stay, which means I'm in the stage of life where I help clean up. But also, also, for those that don't know, I actually love cooking. Like I cook a lot. So uh, at Friendsgiving Saturday evening, I helped carve the turkey and cook the turkey, which was a long, tenuous, hungover process. And uh, also cooked chicken parm sliders and chorizo stuffing. So everything went pretty well, actually. Dude, I'm so glad like you're going to be at the RG party. Like it's just going to be so much better. We don't have to cater Chick-fil-A this year. You just come out. We'll just like we'll cater, you know, Dago filet. I like I'm actually, I've actually decided just because the first time I ever talked to you in life was last year and it's because Cal was telling me you had some Todd Gurley info and so I just snuck up behind you and was like, "Crane, share some info, buddy." And, like you, and, you got some injury news. Yeah, and what and what who is right? 
Yeah, you got it right. You right, nailed it. Having sorry. said that, I still played him at captain and burned my money to the ground. Right. What are you talking well, about? Why you even come up and we weren't, we weren't in close quarters just yet, so I wasn't sure how much to trust you. But, <laughs> but now you're like my best buddy, so it's okay. I have buddies that play poker with the Rams. Like, I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got Daigle cooking up Thanksgiving dinner. and Or not, unfortunately. Fortunately for us, even after we've eaten his amazingly perfect food, we got some football going on. We got three games, of course. We're going to be talking about the three games here. We're going to touch on the main slate as well. But what do you say we go ahead and kick it off with a game that should be later in the day so we can all sleep to it? It's the Bears at the Lions, a 38-and-a-half point total. The Bears are – or yeah, the Bears are two-and-a-half point favorites. We've got Jeff Driscoll. He's probably going to play but is currently listed as questionable. On the Bears' side, they're basically missing the entire tight end core that they've got. It's going to be J.P. Holtz. Jesper Horstead. I don't know if it's Jesper or Jesper, but I'm wrong with Jesper. And then Adam Shaheen, somebody who I've tried to roster a couple times unsuccessfully. And yeah, you know, Reeves, when I look at this game, it's not one I want to stack up on a normal slate, but on a short slate, we have to consider all the games here. So what are we looking at here? Yeah, you should almost touch upon too, like how we just uh, approach this slate in general and, you know, building, you know, these these multi-entry lineups, you know, because this is a slate, you know, and you're the short slate player uh, here of the group. So, I mean, you could just kind of touch on real fast, just like some of the do's and don'ts of, you know, of trying to cover your bases here. Because I feel like when you get the slate like this, too many people try to cover too many things happening and it ruins them. Yeah, you to, you, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Touch on some stuff real quick. Like the most <laughs> success I've ever had with these short slates is when I have focused on a very small core. The, the best day outside of the Millie Day that I've ever had in Daily Fantasy was a Thanksgiving slate. And at the time, it was, it was Calvin Johnson back then. That takes you back a little bit. But um, it was, I just did 150 Matt Stafford-Calvin Johnson lineups, and I sprinkled some guys in. And what you can do when you have that tight of a quarterback-wide receiver core, you can afford to sprinkle in guys like – on that day, it was Theo Riddick, who was something like 2% owned. And I had, you know, like 7 or 8%. It doesn't take a lot – to get overweight on some of these guys, you know, somebody like JD McKissick would be a perfect example on a slate like this. Ty Johnson would be another example on a slate like this, especially against the bears who are missing Akeem Hicks. So, you know, I'm looking at stuff like this. Don't be afraid to roll the dice on some of those guys. I will have some Tony Pollard teams. Are those teams probably going to be lit on fire? Yeah, that's just how it works. But it's, you know, we always see every single slate, these random, you know, what running backs, that end up finding their way into the end zone. It's like the Frank Gore All-Stars, you know? And so you're sitting here looking at these guys saying, on a normal slate, would you consider them? No. And if they go off, it doesn't matter because nobody has these guys. Whereas on a short slate, where you kind of have to build the nuts, you have to be willing to take chances with some of these guys. You know, a Quadre Allison, somebody that none of us have been playing on any main slate, even though he keeps, you know, getting touchdowns the last two weeks. Um you know, guys like this, you just got to be willing to roll the dice on. Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick kind of stand out to me as a couple guys that I will be targeting, not because I necessarily think they're great plays, but I think they do have touchdown equity. And if they happen to get 10 or 12 points at their price tags, they're going to be really great plays, and they're probably going to be on the winner. So that's kind of one of those things you have to look at. Keep the core tight. I especially like keeping the quarterback wide receiver core tight, you know, as far as like, all right, let's say, and I'll get to this later. Okay. Let's say I love Matt Ryan and I love Julio Jones. Well, we know Julio might not play. Let's just assume for argument's sake that he's in, I'm going to do 150. If I decide that's the way to go, I'm doing 150 of those lineups. 
and I'm just, I'm not even looking back. That's what I'm going to do. And when you do it like that, you can really kind of mix and match the different pieces. That's how everybody says, oh, you can cover every base. Trust me, I have tried. You can't. The only way to make sure you lose by multi-entering is trying to do that because you're never going to have the winner and you're probably going to lose 30, 40% of your buy-ins and you're going to be miserable afterwards. It's not going to be fun. So get a tight core and then build around that core. You know, you want to have like some 80, 90, 100% guys and then sprinkle in the five or 10% guys. That's sort of how I like to do it and how I've had success doing it. Beautiful. Yeah. Couldn't have said it any better. I mean, just the most people, like I said, they just try to cover every, everything lying on these slates and that's where they go wrong. Uh, but yeah, this game is, I mean, this game is kind of like fun, bad. It could be, I wish the bears were a little bit worse on defense to make it more fun, bad. Uh, but we get the we get one of the best fun bad quarterbacks in a good spot in Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, you know the last couple of weeks Trubisky has hit in the spots we wanted him to hit. I mean no one no one cared about him versus the Rams, but two weeks ago we cared about him in the same spot at home against the Lions, and then last week he was on the streaming board against the Giants, uh, and he hit. He was the QB eighty at nineteen point seven fantasy points when these two teams played a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and then last week he had another 19 points against the Giants. So you know that there's a little bit of upside here. You can pick on some of these bad teams. He's got a great history against the Lions, too. I mean, he was the QB1 overall on a week against them uh, last year, Uh, and the Giants have just been really bad. They're 29th in passing points allowed on the season. Uh, So, I mean, you you know that Trubisky's got a little Konami factor to him. Sometimes he'll get you a little sprinkling of rushing yards. Uh, so, I mean, he's kind of a, a, a fun guy on a slate like this. So we got a couple of Konami guys because Josh Allen, uh, unfortunately, yeah. like you hit on, Driscoll is probably not that guy. Uh, 36.3% of Driscoll's fantasy output over the past three weeks has come from rushing alone. If he's got a hamstring injury and we got to rely on his arm against the Bears, that 6.5, <laughs> that 6.5 yards per pass attempt, man, and that 4% interception rate, those show up in a hurry if he he's, he's not up. running the ball, man. Really quick. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, to, just to start it off, though, I mean, I think Trubisky is one of the, the, the top, you know, QB plays. I think when you lay out when we'll talk about Dak versus the Bills outside of Josh Allen and, you know, Matt Ryan maybe not having weapons and kind of has gone south on us a little bit. Uh, I think Trubisky might be the QB two play on the board. Uh, well, one of the, the yeah, one of the things I like to look at when picking out a wide receiver quarterback duo is I like to target uh, narrow target shares. Did not work out last week with the Eagles because they just didn't score. But this week, you know, when I look at the Bears, Taylor Gabriel's out, which means that Trubisky is going to be thrown to Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, and a bunch of dudes we've never heard of. I guess Tariq Cohen's on that list too. And Daigle, when you look at it, when you look at a guy like Mitch Trubisky, when you know where the ball is going, it can be a lot easier to play him. Now, you, a lot of people are going to look at this total and say, why the hell am I playing a guy from a 38.5 point total when I can get this Saints-Falcons game? The reason is, Daigle, you still get upside because of the rushing and you know who to pair him with, and that's valuable to me. And, yeah, uh, Allen Robinson, this past matchup when they last played the Lions, uh, Nagy actually got Robinson away from Darius Slay. And Slay's played great the past few games. Uh, Shut down Amari Cooper, battled with Terry McLaurin the whole way. So it is actually still a good matchup for Robinson, who we expect to be moved all over the field. I, I would expect, though, Anthony Miller, especially at his low price, to come in higher-owned 
in cash games and tournaments and as one of the highest owned wide receivers across the board just because he's valuable. Um, we don't expect to have Taylor Gabriel. Taylor Gabriel vacates 5.7 targets, a nice 69 air yards per game. Um, and Detroit has actually allowed the sixth most fantasy points to the slot where Anthony Miller's run 78% of his routes from this year. So I do like Anthony Miller quite a bit. I love his floor in this game. But since it's such a short, short slate, like if you're telling me to go overweight on Anthony Miller uh, and attach myself to a receiver to, and think that Trubisky doesn't have a floor, that's the issue. So it is a situation that I really do think you can fade despite loving the player and matchup um, in this game. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm looking at Anthony Miller. Dago, do you want to guess our projected ownership? Right now on Anthony Miller? Over 40%, right? 42.2% yeah. on Anthony Miller. That is a lot of people clicking that button, and I understand mm-hmm. why, but that is a lot of ownership on Anthony Miller. I'd rather take 14% on Allen Robinson and just roll the dice there because the dude's just good. The dude knows how to ball out. So I'd rather play Robinson. And on the Lions side, I mean, <laughs> you know, Reeves, you kind of mentioned that. Driscoll has got the hurt hammy. We don't know if he's going to go or not. And even if he does go, he's unlikely to be running. And the problem with that is, that's all Driscoll's kind of good at. You know, he's not exactly got a cannon back there. You know, so it's tough to click the likes of Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, even though Driscoll will throw it deep a little bit. So, Reeves, when you look at this Lions team, is there anything for you to like here? Yeah, it's interesting because you talk about these short slates, and these are two guys that you might not like, but they're two guys that have multi-touchdown upside uh, on any given week. And Marv has actually shown it with Driscoll already a couple weeks against the Cowboys. He's gotten the better quality of targets so far from Driscoll. He's out-targeted Galladay 22-18, to but he's had more catchable targets than Galladay. Galladay, only eight of Galladay's 18 targets from Driscoll have been deemed catchable. Uh, pro for uh, pro football focus so I mean he's getting high leverage targets but they're kind of in like that Curtis Samuel range like it counts as a target and registers for air yards but like it was really nothing you know it didn't count that's kind of where Galladay has been but I mean also you can that can swing back to variance if you just hit a couple of those and they become efficient you know his upside is really high we saw it a couple years ago Marv did it in a week where I think everyone wanted to cross my remember that year Marv was real hot and everyone was like oh it was when Xavier Rhodes was real good and everyone was like, I think Marv's going to do the X out this week. And then he had two touchdowns. And he caught a touchdown where, if you guys remember, Terrence Newman was on the field. He wasn't supposed to be. And they had an extra guy. And he tried to cover him. And Marv still scored over him. Uh, it was a really, it was, it was a wild play. But uh, those are, they're two guys that have a, their high variance plays, like you said. So they're guys you would, that you would lay out the example. If their ownership isn't high, those are the guys that you go just a little bit overweight on. Yeah. Um, around your core, because those are the guys that have the kind of upside that can really pop. Those guys have wide receiver one outcomes in their range of outcomes. Now, yeah. the probability of it's lower with a guy like Driscoll and in the tougher matchup against the Bears, but that's an example you know, that we were laying out. And then um, you guys talked about Allen Robinson a little bit, and you know he's another guy that has like a wider range of outcomes because of the Bears just in general. But, yeah, uh, Daigle hit it on the head. With last time these two teams played, he ran a season-high 55% of his routes in the slot. Darius Slays only played 62 snaps in the slot all season. He only went into the slot five snaps in that game. Um, and, you know, Justin Coleman has a lot of the most touchdowns from the slot this year uh, on, the, on the other side. And then uh, they're using Tariq Cohen a lot more too. Your guy, Crane, Tariq Cohen. 14, 15 touches the past. If there were ever a week or ever a yep. slate. Yeah. This is a, 
We're gonna see Chalk Tariq Cohen. What a world! Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean he's dirt he's, cheap, and yeah. and he, it's a correlation play too with Trubisky because yes. he's not gonna score rushing. <laughs> so I mean, all those guys are kind of in play there. Uh, the Lions backfield, I don't know what to tell you, man. Uh, I have no problem rolling the dice <laughs> with some of these guys. Like I, sure. I'm not saying I like him, but I mean, Dave, looking at this backfield, you know, Ty Johnson, J.D. McKissick, Bo Scarborough. Am I in love with any of these guys? No, but. I feel like in a multi-entry player pool, you got to have some exposure. So who do you prefer here, Daigle? I mean, if you choose one, I still think the answer is Bo Scarborough. Has played 50% of the snaps the past two weeks. Um, has handled 76% of Detroit's running back carries in that span. Ranks ninth in yards per contact after attempt. He's been kind of slippery the past two games among running backs with at least 10 carries. The thing is, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, uh, Jeff Driscoll's soft tissue injury because he has leveraged his rushing ability to thrive under chaos. He's tossed two touchdowns and four picks from a clean pocket because he's not a guy that stands back there and chunks downfield. So if he's forced to uh, to stand back there and just throw, even if he has time, it actually doesn't benefit Scarborough in a sneaky good matchup against a Bears rush defense that is still missing a key mix and has become below average without him the past six or seven games, and then also likely missing Danny Trevathan. So it's kind of a game that, especially that Scarborough has only run 17 routes the past two weeks, has only seen one target in that span. It's a game where you really need to bank on him punching in two touchdowns in order for him to achieve value and, and break the slate, which is certainly possible. It just – it's hard to predict in this matchup with Driscoll essentially limited. Yeah, so, I mean, we're – I want to like this spot, especially with Hakeem Hicks out. You know, that's something that does matter. It's just tough to pick. I mean, Reeves, would you be willing to, willing to roll the dice on a guy like Ty Johnson, or is Scarborough the only guy you're really interested in here? Yeah, it's tough because they're kind of still, like, splitting that receiving role, and and then Scarborough's not involved at all. And Scarborough's run 15 pass routes the past two weeks and has one target, no catches, not really his game. If you want to go under on him, you can just play the touchdown variance game, like you said. Like, if he doesn't score a touchdown, like, there's no way he hits. Um, yeah. But, you know, maybe he gets all pass interference in the end zone or gets two shorties. So you never know, man, uh, honestly, like this. But I feel like Scarborough's a guy that he'd be the play that you – that you um, all the stars align to, like Dago said, all the data points to, but also if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's not doing nothing. Yeah, you're just screwed. Literally nothing. Yeah. You know, you were talking earlier about these wide receivers for the Lions, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones. Even if we don't like the matchup, even if we don't like Driscoll, at their price is only 6-1 and 5-3 over on DraftKings. You have to have some interest in these guys. Don't, like, just because Driscoll's the quarterback, don't take him out of your player pool because they have – Slate breaking ability. I'm looking at both these guys projecting under 10%. That's nuts. Let's move on to the Bills and the Cowboys. Four, 45 and a half point total. Dallas, six and a half point favorites at home. And Degel, I'm going to start with you. And I'm going to give you the cupcake because is Ezekiel Elliott a good play on this slate? I mean, this is the reason why we played Philip Lindsay last week, right? And I know it didn't hit, but uh, I even went to Philip Lindsay and cashed at his value price. And Zeke Elliott is once again a value price in this slate and is arguably the only back that rivals Alvin Kamara as a pivot. So, uh, so yeah, it's quite easy to say that Zeke is uh, one or the number two play at his position in this slate in particular, and it bodes well because Buffalo's offense has actually picked it up quite a bit quite a bit the past two weeks as well. Uh, established runs Pat Thorman noted in his snaps and pace piece, which is always terrific, that the Bills have moved to no huddle the past two weeks, a 37% rate. 
which has allowed them to just fire off more offensive plays, including 73, 74 plays just last week. So if we get that, I I know most downgraded the Cowboys after that Patriots game, and it was coaching buffoonery. It was uh, perhaps right or wrong calls, whatever the case. I uh, thought I, the field goal was a great idea. Did you? Like for real? No. Okay. No, of course I didn't. <laughs> okay. Come on. Like, sure. Well, I mean, I was just like, oh my God, I'm doing a show with this guy. Uh, yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've heard that opinion from people. I've heard like 55, 45 from people I respect. And I was, I just was in the 99 and no, one. Yeah. Like it's just, um, it's getting too cute. Either way, though, I considered it a positive, that performance. Because, I mean, they just, ca- they just came their own buffoonery away from beating the Patriots, which is, which is great. And now you get a, a worse defense than the Patriots, obviously, because most teams are. So I like the Cowboys a lot. I like the Cowboys' offense a lot. They're popping across the board. It's an issue because they're going to carry a lot of ownerships, uh, Ezekiel included, since everyone's just a slave to the numbers. Um, but we'll talk about pivot options as we move along here. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it might be tough for me not just to click the lock button on Zeke. Yeah. I mean, big home favorite against a team that can't stop the run. Belkow running back. The dude likes to eat Thanksgiving. He's always going doing this little, like, feed me thing, and it's Thanksgiving. I don't know how you fade the guy saying feed me on Thanksgiving. You know, Reeves, earlier you kind of mentioned Dak Prescott, and I think he's going to be the most popular quarterback on this slate, and the reason is he looks like the most mispriced quarterback on this slate, only 5.7K over on DraftKings. He's cheaper than Josh Allen, cheaper than Matt Ryan, and cheaper than Drew Brees. And I just feel like a lot of people are going to gravitate toward him. I'm seeing 30% projected ownership right here. Reeves, do you think he warrants that kind of ownership? Yeah, I mean, he's he's a top five scoring quarterback of the season, of course. Like, he's dropped hammers. He's averaging, he's got averaging 350 passing yards per game at home. Now, those have all come against cupcakes, which is why Amari, people keep citing these Amari Cooper home road splits and uh, apparently don't care that they face the Dolphins, the Giants, uh, the <laughs> Eagles, and the Vikings at, at home so far this season, uh, as opposed to now he's getting Tredavious White, who just held Cortland Sutton to one catch hasn't a lot of touchdown this season and is third and passer rating a lot of the season in coverage. Nobody cares about that, even though Cooper was completely obliterated by Stefan Gilmore in that game. Um, Cooper's yeah, like, what is it? I'm not wrong here. Isn't Cooper the most or one of the most cornerback dependent wide receivers in football? Um, I don't know about that. I mean, he's, he's very good. It's just the problem is he's, he's very catawampus as he has, he has high spikes and high lows. Also he's, he's playing hurt. Like right now, it's very clear. He, he was outsnapped again by Michael Gallup on Sunday for the second time in a row and out-targeted by Michael Gallup. He's been kind of having all these injuries. We talked about it a little bit, uh, I think, last week. Um, or, you know, I was on some show talking about it. Just like they're just in this division. Yeah, look at how big time is Reeves. I was on some show. Uh, I don't, I don't, somebody I don't wanted me and I abided. Where are these takes going? But uh, <laughs> he's, you know, he's one of these guys that probably needs a week off, but they're just, they can't afford to give him a week off. And now it's a short week. He's already been playing hurt. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Obviously, he has the kind of upside you want. Uh, on the slate and obviously he's got the most you know receiving yards per game at home I'm sure people will tell you that all week and they'll give you the splits they um, already have buddy it's They've a already spot, pounded it, home I mean it's a tough spot for him though I mean like I said Travis White's been that good uh right. and you know we don't I don't want to get caught up in all these cornerback wide receiver matchups always but like Travis White's on a short list of guys that actually really follows all the snaps instead of just you know a lot of people will cite shadow and not really cite the actual routes where guys play. It's just they the shadow on the boundary. Like we talked about Darius Slay a little bit ago, um, where he's tr- truly not a shadow corner. Like Tredavious White is one of these guys, though. 
Uh, so, I mean, it, it's one of these things he's really going to follow him on the boundary. So it's tough. It's a tough spot for Cooper. Uh, can he hit? Sure. It's Amari Cooper. There's Dak Prescott. Can they hit? Yeah. But, I mean, the Bills for two years now have been a team that have only allowed – they've allowed three top one, uh, top 12 QB1 scoring weeks now over the past 25 games. Like, they've had, like, a favorable schedule, but that goes back to last year. Like, they're a good secondary, and they're bad against the run. So it's kind of like a run funnel spot. So it's hard not to just say, I'm going to play Zeke as my only Cowboy, fade the entire passing game, and try to get over that way. Uh, even though a lot of people have Zeke, it's okay if you've got 100%, you know, like you, like you talked about earlier. Instead of trying to cover all the bases, you know, I just say Zeke's in such a good spot, I'm going to go full Zeke, fade the pass game, uh, and, you know, kind of go, go that route. Yeah, and the only way to go overweight on Zeke is basically to click the lock button. The dude's going to be 70%, even higher and higher stakes. Like, I'm pro- like I said, I'm probably just clicking the lock button. And one of the reasons I'm doing that is because I do think this team will score three or four touchdowns, just as Vegas is telling us. And I don't necessarily like the passing game that much, which automatically leads me to lock Ezekiel Elliott in. Um, let's talk about the Bills side, Dago, because I think this is the more interesting side because a lot of people, you know, Cole Beasley, I guess at this point I just have to start believing in Cole Beasley because the dude just every time – you know, I do a show and they go, oh, I'm thinking about Cole Beasley. And I go, don't play Cole Beasley. You know, I guess I have to start considering it. John Brown got there in a tough match. He scored a touchdown last week. And, of course, Josh Allen, it seems like the rushing upside might be coming back a little bit. So, Dago, what do we think about this Bills offense? Yeah, so this is a Cowboys team that we cited last week in allowing explosive plays because they had been struggling. Now, they did perform – up to par against the Patriots, but even so, um, unsurprisingly, still allowed five plus twenty yard, five twenty plus yard plays to Tom Brady, who struggled throughout the year. So, if you believe this game shoots out, or you just believe that uh, the Bills find an offensive success, I would think it comes through the air, and that's Josh Allen, that's uh, Cole Beasley, who has a high floor in this game, um, and continues to have a high floor weekly. And that's John Brown. And that's why John Brown's really interesting and this slate in particular, because we talked, Reeves noted everything about Amari Cooper, but Amari Cooper, where you're trying to get off of him, if you're trying to get off of him is on DraftKings in particular, because egregiously priced at 6K. And what's interesting is that not only is Kenny Galladay $100 higher there, um, and project for probably 20% lower ownership, but John Brown's $300 more than Amari Cooper. So if you do think Amari Cooper is going to come in overweight in ownership and have a terrible matchup, like John Brown for a team that is allowing uh, opposing offenses to go over the top with ease, John Brown's the way to go. It feels like a perfect Josh Allen spot, doesn't it? That's, that, that's the sense I've been getting too. And I've heard, I've heard some people say that uh, it's actually a bad matchup and looks like a lower scoring affair. That's why I kind of want to get jo- uh, Reeb's thoughts on that because that wasn't my initial read at all. Yeah, it's not my initial read either. Reeves, um, talk us out of it, man. Well, the reason you li- I like Josh Allen so much and I like to play him, and I've used him a couple times in cash this year in a couple spots. I mean, well, one, he's had just this really great floor this year, whereas last year he didn't. He was more volatile. He would have a top five week and then like a bottom five week uh, until the end of the season when he got going a little bit. Now he's had, you know, he's had 17 or more fantasy points uh, in seven straight games and nine of his past 10 games. It's a great floor. The other reason we like him is because when you're projecting touchdowns, especially in a short, short slate, his touchdown equity is by far the highest of anyone on the slate. He's accounted for 84.6% of the Buffalo Bills touchdowns this season through passing and rushing. They have 11 rushing touchdowns. He has seven of them. 
and then he's got all the passing touchdowns. Uh, so, I mean, we're talking about projecting a team that might only score two, two and a half touchdowns. Maybe they get up to three touchdowns this game, or maybe we get a shootout, you know, because uh, it's not going to be a bad weather game. Uh, then we've got a spot for, you know, touchdown equity to really take hold. If they score four touchdowns, Josh Allen's probably going to have three of them, you know, and then he's going to tack on rushing yardage and vice versa. That's what makes it hard to play like a guy like Devin Singletary because he's in that weird role where he's not catching passes. And then in the goal line, not only is he getting froze up by Josh Allen, but they're bringing Frank Gorin still in the goal line. He came out of the game last week. He's kind of this guy's just getting this hollow rushing yardage. And he's ha- he's been good still and yep. getting productive yards, but uh, hasn't really been able to get, get over the hump because of the touchdown and receiving work. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm into Josh Allen, man. I think he's the, I think he's probably the the best quarterback outside of Drew Brees on this slate. They probably, I would rank them Brees, Josh Allen, and then Trubisky um, in that order. Um, and the guys that I'd be interested in, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm here for Josh Allen because of the touchdown equity. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Devin Singletary and he's somebody that's driving me nuts because I keep trying to play him like it's coming. He gets 21 carries, 106 yards. And you mentioned it's just hollow yardage because that's what it is. Two targets, one catch for eight yards. And Dago, it's awfully tough to play this guy in fantasy because we know we like touchdowns and we like receptions. And he just doesn't offer either of those things. Yeah, the the snaps are there, the carries are there. He's trumped Gore. Um, I believe he's definitely out touched Gore. I can't remember the exact number. I think it's like seventy two to forty four, unless I'm going crazy over the last three games. But either way, it's just the fact that as Reeves noted, uh, Josh Allen accounts for their touchdowns, just like last year. And Rich was the one to coin that that Josh Allen is their red zone back. Like Josh Allen is their goal line back as well as their quarterback. So it, it's hard to fire up Singletary. Having said that, he's still an explosive chunk play kind of guy. Um, it's, it's funny because he doesn't outrun people, but he is slippery when you watch him. He does create yards after contact. He does break tackles to gain those 5- to 15-yard rushes constantly. So um, he's an interesting play, but it's still someone where I'd rather fire up uh, either naked Josh Allen or a single stack with Brown or a double stack with Beasley. What All about right, Fort so, Knox? You guys don't like Fort Knox? Or or Fort Knox because this tight end slate, I mean, we didn't talk about Jesper Horstead much, who people are going to be looking. <laughs> Is Horstead. it Jesper or Jesper? I think it's Jesper, but I've also called David Blau, David Bloff all week. So who knows with this slate? Like, it's all over the place. But uh, the Bears are missing three starting tight ends. So they're down to J.P. Holtz, who is a inline blocker, and Horstead, who was a converted tight end, was a Ivy School wide receiver at Princeton, scored 28 touchdowns in a school that no other player has scored 20 touchdowns. Who the so, hell knows how many Jesper Horstead just scored at Princeton? Where did he even pull that out? <laughs> of so hold you're on. making that up that can't be real well so it has to pick up the uh, the dumb uh college stats here since silva isn't uh, around I just, anymore i just sit here but, uh, Dago, like just day drinking on a friday just like i can't wait to watch this prince lime it's delicious uh <laughs> but but no that's the min priced option if you're going to it so if you're telling me reeves there's a way i can get off horstead who i wasn't probably going to play anyways but really we're looking for ways to combat jared cook right because Jared Cook is like arguably the only tight end anyone knows on this slate, let alone wants to play. So let's hear it for Dawson Knox then, because if we are playing Josh Allen, that stacking ability gives us a terrific correlated pivot. Yeah, I, I'm all right with Foxy Knoxy. Reeves, are you? I mean, just the usage has been there. He's he's coming off a season high, you know, 58 snaps. He's, his, the, snaps the snaps have just really ramped up recently since that Browns game. 
Um, but he's had just two catches, and he's had you know two or fewer catches in six of his past seven games. Just hasn't really. That might be the tight end one on this slate. But uh, you know, I'm just saying he's out there a lot, and he's a guy that uh, I don't know. I'm trying to say Fortnite. <laughs> that is the worst endorsement of a player I've ever heard. He's, <laughs> he's out, out there, there a lot, and I don't know. You gave know, Chris man. Hogan a better endorsement. You said he was out exercising. He's like... out there, bro. He's out there. <laughs> well, I mean, Knox, Knox doesn't run far enough to exercise. Like he's he's running those intermediate routes. Like he's hey, got, like yeah. Ho- Hogan was out there just running burners. Like he was getting sprints in. <laughs> he's getting that cardio <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah, it was legit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Isaiah McKenzie, any interest here at 3.1K? Isaiah McKenzie is actually like, we all love, I don't even know if he's bad, but we all love players we shouldn't love. Isaiah McKenzie's that guy for me. Like, I think he's so good. I was upset when the Broncos initially waived him last year. Um, and without Robert Foster, who we believe will be out with probably a pulled hamstring, um, there's interest. There's a little bit of interest just because Isaiah McKenzie is a guy who can score. Like, you've seen him get sweeps. He can score on, uh, on creative play calling as well. I have no problem with Isaiah McKenzie at all. These those are the kind of guys who win these slates every time. If I if I'm seeing if this is right, Cole Beasley's going to be six percent. Like I definitely don't like short white receivers normally, but I'm willing to roll the dice. Six percent is that what is that what y'all have? That's right what now? it's at right now. Interesting. I'm, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like a lot of people are going to play these bills. You know, everybody looks at Vegas. Oh, low total. Okay, I don't want to play that guy. He's the second receiver on the team, and people are like me. I just don't want to bleeping play Cole Beasley. But right. Hey, I like that spot for him at that price tag. I say, why the hell not? All right, let's go to the game that we would be targeting if this was a normal slate. It's the Saints at the Falcons, 49.5 point total. The Saints, 6.5 point favorites. And Reeves, last week we saw the Falcons' defense show exactly who we thought they were. They had, you know, obviously they had the two good weeks. Last week they get torched. Matt Ryan, he still looks like he's playing hurt to me. And of course, we're still waiting to hear what's going to happen with Julio. He hasn't practiced. We don't know if he's going to play or not. And it's difficult to talk about this Falcon side not knowing what's going to happen with Julio. Because if he's in, you play him. But if he's not in, all of a sudden, there's a ton of value on this Falcons team. So, Reeves, how are you approaching the Falcons right now? Yeah, I mean, Julio is a is a big linchpin because we know we're probably not going to have Austin Hooper back either. So no Julio, no Austin Hooper is a big chunk of targets to be missing, you know, from an offense. And they'll get Devontae Freeman back, who's been a little – who will be more involved in the pass game than uh, these ancillary jabronis have been with him out of the lineup. But, I mean, Freeman's a guy that is just receiving only. Like He's, he's like, only useful for receiving at this point. 72% of his fantasy production this year has come from receiving only. The Saints uh, allow a, a league low rushing yards per game on the road. We talk about, the, you know, they have a lot of run-hard rushing forever. So, I mean, we're not playing for Devontae Freeman for any rushing, rushing production, uh, for sure. But if Julio's going to be out, and if Marshawn Lattimore is still going to be out, then, I mean, we're just getting a bunch of targets, you know, against, you know, a secondary that allowed Kyle Allen to throw t- three touchdowns last week. Yeah. Um, I still think that, yeah, Matt Ryan, pro- he just hasn't been right. Um, ever since he's come back from that injury, he actually he hasn't been a QB1 since week six. He um, has thrown three touchdowns over his past four games. The Falcons also have been terrible at home. Uh, they've been absolutely awful. Uh, at home, Matt Ryan's only think uh, he's thrown three touchdown passes at home this year. To be fair, um, they've, also, it, they've also been horrible on the road. Yeah, well, they actually they're bad. They're, they're good bad on the on the road. Uh, I can um, live with that. But yeah, I mean, you, you look at it since week six, Matt Ryan uh, over that stretch just one one game over six yards per pass attempt. That's that's not the that's not the guy we really okay. want. 
Um, but Calvin Ridley, you know, searching, you know, is coming off of his two highest, you know, uh, games in target share the past two weeks in team targets. Uh, he 20, he's got 20 point upside, you know, uh, the past two weeks he scored over 20 PPR points or anyways. So Julio's going to be out a few more targets. Sometimes this is a bad thing on slates like this because they'll be able to concentrate all their efforts to, if it's just Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage, like it might not be hard to, to st- like at least like slow down Calvin Ridley. Yeah. Um, we've seen it happen in a few games this year. Remember like we had the Evan Ingram game where all the giants guys were out and everyone was like, we got to play Evan Ingram. He's going to get so many targets, but it's just like, Oh, it's just easier for the defense. Sometimes it works the other way and the guy does get jammed with targets, but there also is the the threat of if we're already not on Matt Ryan and don't like him and it's only Calvin Ridley and the Saints are able to throw everything there at Calvin Ridley and just try to have Russell Cage beat them and Jaden Graham, uh, you know, they can also work negatively as well. But uh, it's hard not to, to, to like Calvin Ridley going into this spot. Uh, and then Russell Gage is like one of these pedestrian, like low floor types of guys, even though he'll probably be more owned than Cole Beasley. I'd probably rather just pivot to Cole Beasley if I had a, a one-off because they- nine yards per catch – like he needs a lot of targets to make those nine yards per catch uh, really sticky. Gage is a career special teamer being thrown to the slot, but the the argument for Gage is really the price point because on DraftKings he's only a hundred dollars more than Anthony Miller, so he's going to go overlooked most likely. And uh, on FanDuel he's six hundred dollars more. So if you're trying to get off Anthony Miller's ownership, like Gage at least has a floor that combats Miller if he fails. Yeah, I'm sorry, but there's no way that Anthony Miller should be 42% Beasley 6, Russell Gage 8. That just that shouldn't be happening. Like, I, oh, he's only 8? I thought he would have been a lot higher. I mean, I think it might... Oh, it's if, interesting. It's interesting. If, if Julio's ruled out, that number's going to go way up. And by the way, if Julio's ruled out, that number will go up. And I don't think he takes a lot of that ownership from Anthony Miller. I think he takes it you know, from a guy like Cole Beasley or something. I think we might end up getting Beasley super low on, which, oh my God, I'm playing Cole Beasley. Oh, That's got to... Oh, that's going to be a lot of drinking during Thanksgiving. That's that's rough, man. That's... If Cole Beasley hits, you're going to have to buy his uh, rap album. White chocolate. That that's that that album is is so bad. Uh, what it just sounds wait, wait, like wait, Cole Beasley actually has a rap album. Oh, and it just sounds like Yellow Wolf. Like he can't rap. He's so bad. I've listened to it all because this is what I do with my time. It's so, like, so wait, bad. better rap album. Shaq or Cole Beasley? Shaq. Oh boy, that's not good. And it's not like um, uh, the Damon Lillard, who's like actually a good rapper. Uh, Cole Beasley is just trying to get in the rap game, and boy, he should just stick as a slot receiver catching third down passes. Yeah, no, <laughs> stick to football, Cole. All yeah. right, uh, let's talk about the Saints side because obviously this is where everybody's going to want to go. They have a four-touchdown team total. Alvin Kamara, he disappointed him by disappointing last week. He skill- still scored nearly 20 PPR points. Michael Thomas is – the best fantasy receiver in football. I don't even think it's close. And all these guys are going to be really popular. So, Reeves, this is one of those games, first of all, if you're winning money going into this game, you don't feel good. You you know, you damn well better be winning money with, like, Michael Thomas to come or something. But we always talk about the Saints team as having a concentrated target. I think Jared Cook has sort of worked his way into that conversation now. Traquan Smith, of course, finally caught the touchdown last week, maybe the first week all season. I didn't throw a dart at him, but – Reeves, when you look at the Saints offense, it's Kamara, it's Thomas, it's Cook, and then, as you like to say, the ancillary jabroni. So what are we doing with this Saints team, Reeves? Yeah, that's the toughest part. You know, a couple weeks ago I was kind of interested in Traquan Smith, and, like, you just realized, like, the ancillary jabronis just don't get enough targets because Michael Thomas is that good. 
Like, there's no reason for them not to throw to Michael Thomas, uh, you know, because he, he's there's a, he's got a he's got 104 catches and like a like a 75 percent catch rate. Like, it's like they're not wasting targets either. They're like they're all just efficient, good targets. Yeah. In uh in, in his five full games with Drew Brees, he's had 10 catches for 123 yards, 11 for 112. 13 for 152, 8 for 114, and 10 for 101. Um, that's for, that seems pretty decent. Um, the, also with Drew Brees, the Saints have had uh, have been really pass heavy, even accounting for games. Yeah, sixty-seven percent pass rate with Drew Brees under center, as opposed to fifty-seven percent uh, in the games that Teddy Bridgewater has played or he or Brees left early. Uh, so they've been really pass heavy. I'm going to go on a limb and say they do score, even though they didn't score a touchdown against the Falcons <laughs> last time. I'll say that they do score a touchdown here, maybe a couple. Uh, you know, and it was because that was the only game Drew Brees hasn't thrown multiple touchdown passes this season was that game. Uh, that was the week off of bye after Sean Payton, you know, got married. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk up all the narratives. I'm gonna just chalk up all the narratives and say that they scored. Was that Mons Venus week? That no, that yeah, no, oh, that okay. was the week after they got right at, got after it. Mons Venus. Just gotta make uh, sure. But the <laughs> um, but yeah, you you hit on the head the three guys and they throw the ball to Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Jared Cook. It's like where they throw the football, and they've been throwing it a lot more with Breeze under center. So it kind of makes it really easy for us if we want to go that route and just go heavy like everyone else will. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, you know, Ted Ginn, he had a bad drop last week that might have been a touchdown. Traquan Smith caught the touchdown. I'm still not convinced I need to be playing Traquan Smith. I, I love spots like this. I got three guys. I feel like you probably need at least one of Kamara, Thomas, or Cook on every team you build because, like you guys said, they're going to get in the box here. I mean, even Latavius Murray is interesting too. You know, always that low-owned guy, and we saw him. I mean, Dago, when you were watching the slate two days ago, didn't Latavius Murray run that first touchdown in from 30-whatever yards? And did you go to yourself, oh, no, this isn't going to end well? Yeah, and well, he also started the game, and then he opened, he opened it with that big uh, 27-yard touchdown, I believe. But the fact is, it's still Kamara's backfield. Like, this is the kind of usage you expected whenever you still drafted Kamara in best ball in season long as a top-five pick. Six, around 60 to 65% of the snaps, he played 63 and 67 the past two weeks, and he's run the third-most routes in that span. He's caught 27 to 28 targets because his targets are all shallow, shallow and underneath since he runs from the backfield. So it is just a game that it's almost like you should and can just go overweight on Breeze, Thomas, Kamara, get your guaranteed production because last week's slate, the question surrounding the slate really was, is this Falcons defense for real or not? And then they didn't sack Jameis Winston a single time. We got our answer two weeks later. So uh, you could just go overweight on those guys, note the production, and then sprinkle in those tournament-winning plays around them. And maybe that is Traquan Smith, who's run the 26th most routes over the last three games. Maybe that is your Cole Beasley underweight and whatever. But like these three guys we know are locked into the offense and just no one else gets involved. Yeah, and you know if you want to be as safe as possible with your quarterback play, I think it's Drew Brees. And you know, Reeves, you mentioned you know two thirds of the time they're passing the football. You know, Kamara, Thomas, Cook, you can pair any of these guys up with Brees, and it's reasonable. I'm surprised looking at this slate that Brees isn't the highest projected owned quarterback. That it's Dak Prescott. I guess I get it because Dak is so cheap, but I mean. Just when looking at the quarterbacks as a whole, Reeves, it's got to be Breeze, right? Yeah, I feel so. I mean, the Falcons were a team that we were targeting all season until that little, you know, little hot spurt 
And like Daigle said, you know, they came back last week. Well, we talked about it in like last week, just like what was the reasoning. And literally the players, the quotes were, we're doing the exact same stuff, even though that they're guy, different guys in different roles. We're still running the same scheme with the same players. And that was really all I needed to hear, like to say like, all right, this is just variance. It's run hot. They played some division opponents, you know, uh, last week, you know, I played all the bucks. I didn't play Vita Bay at tight end, but it would be cool if I would have had him in. But uh, yeah, how baller uh, <laughs> would it have been to play Vita Bay at tight end? Like, <laughs> that's one dollar. You got you got a roster from there. Those plays are still tilting. We had Vita Bay score a, a guy from the Titans. The Titans do their second touchdown to an offensive lineman this season. Dennis Kelly, uh, yeah. Uh, Quisenberry had a touchdown, but that one was cool because that was the dude that had cancer, so that was, he deserved it. Um, but that's the only time. The only time that those guys should be allowed to catch touchdowns is when they had cancer. it's a it's a i mean it's a it's a it's a well-deserved theory (laughs) you're doing cancer you get a touchdown i mean you're you're doing good for the people yeah okay well now i'm going to very smoothly pivot over to the main slate um Talk some court. Actually, first, if you're watching on YouTube, click like, click subscribe, comment, saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe Reeves just said that." Like, and, that- like and subscribe for the cancer narrative. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Dangle, um, I know you're laughing right now, man. Throw out a quarterback oh, yeah. that you like in this main slate. We're still. We didn't talk about all of them. Um, I, main I, slate. It, the main slate. Oh, main slate. Uh, oh man, uh, what about? Have you Nick- looked at the main slate yet, <laughs> no, bro? It's been a long, it's been, it's been a long, it's been a long, long week. Um, how about? Uh, well, everyone's just gonna play Patrick Mahomes. Of course, they? you just play Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Why are you making me say anyone else but Patrick Mahomes? No, people okay. want to play Dalton, bro. Because oh, forty-seven hundred. No, no, no. Is it Dalton SZN? Everyone uh, wants to play Dalton, man. I mean that game. That game is going to go over forty, I would guess. So that's that's not, I guess, the worst play. Uh, get, how about Nick Foles? Let's just go Nick Foles. Uh, as long as you didn't say Carson Wentz, like I don't care who you say. But Reeves, how do the Eagles have a twenty-seven point team total again? I know it's the Dolphins, but the Eagles suck, man. Like what? What am I missing here? Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe they get Alshon back so they can run three tight end sets instead of two. <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, that, that might be might be why, but uh, yeah, even rough. It's been. I mean, there's a lot of reasons probably why once has been. Tough. Now he's got a hand injury too, um, but he's been he's been real bad. You know, he's he's got like rookie season numbers. Uh, he's been in the he's been in the top half of scoring since week six. It's. I mean, it's the Dolphins, man. It's the Dolphins, but it's the opposite of the Baker narrative. We've got to just say Dolphins. We have to say because Dolphins, not because the guy was playing well. And I hate when we ever have to do that with the matchup. I never want to just leave with the matchup. I want to say, well, this guy's been playing well, and this guy's been doing this, and then we can use the matchup. But whenever you just start with the matchup, that's when the, that's when the defense doesn't matter. People win. That's when they win out. Uh, that's how they win. You know, you still want you still want some positives to the player first. I, I don't want the defense doesn't matter people to win. I don't, I don't want those people to win anyways. Um, Reeves, give me a quarterback real quick that you like on this slate, not named Carson Wentz. I mean, my arch nemesis. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Oh boy. I know, man. I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I don't really like playing him, but he's been a completely matchup based quarterback this season. Uh, for the defense doesn't win crowd. He's been only good when he plays bad teams <laughs> and been very bad when he plays good teams. The Giants are 31st in yards for pass attempt, 22nd in touchdown rate. 
Seems like a really cherry pick spot. Devontae Adams is getting over 30% of the targets in every game since he's been back. This feels like a really good uh, spot. And you can actually run that back with a Saquon stack now that people think he's bad and he hasn't played well. Um, but, you know, the you know, Packers really haven't been good against the run all season. Saquon's getting a ton of touches. He bricked a, a wheel route that he could have done some damage on last week. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. You can run Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Saquon stack. I don't even hate Daniel Jones in that game because the Packers defense has been allowing teams to score at the highest rate in the NFL since week four, even higher than the Bengals. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of an interesting one. But what what happened to the whole week. Packers defense is great narrative. That was, it, it, was, might, like, it lasted three weeks. It was, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really nice. Uh, it was a good September. It went away as quickly as the Packers team is great narrative. <laughs> Man, they're whew, that pack. Rogers. or the Rogers Rogers MVP narrative after he throws five touchdowns against the Raiders. Get out of here with that. Today, <laughs> <laughs> defenses don't matter. Remember, we've had this discussion. They don't matter. Just kidding. Uh, running backs, Dagle. I know you said Mahomes for quarterback, so I'm going to guess McCaffrey at running back. <laughs> Is Mahomes available at running back? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, Jonathan Williams. You haven't looked at this slate at all. This is great. Listen, I, I've been researching what Reeves was talking. Uh, it's been a long. <laughs> it has been a long week. Like I, I was going to research the Sunday slate it's tonight. Tuesday. <laughs> it's true. Exactly. Do you know how much you pack in on Thanksgiving weekend when you do this for a damn living? It's so much. Anyways, uh, I'm going to Jonathan Williams. That's the first guy that pops out in my model. So let's just talk about him. Uh, elite usage without Marlon Mack, and we're not expecting Marlon Mack to play again. Um, handled 26 of their 35 backfield carries against the Texans on Sunday night. Ran 16 routes, which is more, surprisingly more, than Naheem Hines' 11. I expected Hines to be more involved than he was, but not to the extent of Jonathan Williams, who has now basically become an elite workhorse. Not a bell cow just yet, because he's not handling every touch, but he's handling a majority of touches. So uh, I do like Jonathan Williams in my 10 minutes of research. All right, Reeves. Um, had, one, have you done more than 10 minutes of research? He's yeah, got the worksheet. I wrote up every game. Yeah. So I already wrote You've up every game. Done the, Jesus, man. Dude, like, the worksheet is due on Tuesday night, so he's already ready by Tuesday. It always out, man. Yeah, it's out already. It's all done. It's up there. Go read the worksheet, guys. It's up. <laughs> <laughs> please read it, please. All right, Reeves, who do you got a running back that you're interested in? Dude, we got to run it back with Philip Lindsay. It didn't work, but we got to. We got to do it. We really, touched Roy's. His salary's gone down. We can't see me. He outtouched Freeman again, 14 to four last week. Chargers are 24th in uh, rushing points allowed per game to backfields. They're 26th in receiving points allowed to the position. Um, Lindsay has faced the Chargers twice in his career. He's been the RB6 with 24.7 PPR points, the RB4 26.6 PPR points. The only concern is that Brandon Allen is, in fact, awful and maybe. They can't score any points with him under center. That dude's completed under – he's completed 40% of his passes in back-to-back games. That That's not good. Hey, but on the bright side, Drew Locke is right around the corner. That dude is also very bad. <laughs> you Missouri's you finest. You Drew don't want to go that route. Get excited. Uh, he might start this week. Yeah, I really I, think he might start this week. Like, I think you. I think he will start this week. Actually. Yeah, I mean, it's either way. You have to, man. I mean, Brandon Allen. It was fun. He hit a couple big plays. They made some plays for him. This couple, the first couple of games. But Brandon Allen's a preseason. He's just a preseason guy. Like he, all he does is throw 50-50 balls, which are fun to watch. But it's fun to watch in the preseason. You can't scramble around five consecutive three and outs. Like it's he's a disaster. Like they just need to bring back Tebow. Can we do that? Can we have the Broncos bring back TiVo? I mean, in this era of football, you can't complete 40% of your passes. No. 
<laughs> you can. You're just not going to have a job for very long. All right. Uh, wide receivers. Dagle, I know you haven't looked, so whatever. Reeves, no, I, hold on. I did 12 oh, minutes ready? of research. I got 12 right. minutes of research under my belt. Thank you very much. I'm actually just going to go a couple cheapies like off the Tyree board. Kill. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. Just lock him <laughs> in everywhere. Um, no, uh, if you want to go wild, uh, Chris Conley has averaged 134 and a half air yards per game, which rivals DJ Sharks 137 per game since Nick Foles got under center. And as we know, we attacked the receivers versus the Bucks. And uh, Conley's eight and nine targets in that span stand out. So I think Chris Conley is like a strong number two receiver across from DJ Shark, even though DJ Shark is also viable. And then uh, another cheapie, if Golden Tate is out, if we're stacking this game and Devontae Adams' salary also allows us to stack him with Aaron Rodgers, is Darius Slayton, who has a much better rapport on the outside than Golden Slate does, or Golden Go- than, than Sterling Shepard does. That's the guy I'm looking for. You got um, it. Slayton's averaged 6.7 targets on nearly 90% of New York's offensive snaps since week six. So uh, I, I think he is the preferred receiver to Shepard, who I would expect moves back into the slot if Tate doesn't clear concussion protocol by Saturday, by Sunday. There Dude, we go. How, how annoyed are you guys at this Jaguars passing attack when everybody was loading up on D.D. Westbrook in the uh, in the best ball championships, and now it's just DJ Shark and Chris Conley. That's not so fun for me. Well, there's a rule that you should always follow. Don't play never, a Jaguars receiver. Never fall in love with slot receivers. I've actually never heard that. I, I, that's that's not a bad idea. But anyways, I've got to go dro- drop a Geronimo Allison from a few teams. Hold on, guys. I don't know if I can finish. <laughs> okay, anyways. Um, Reeves, I know that Dago likes Tyreek Hill and Christian McCaffrey and Patrick Holmes. Holmes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Those are those are great picks. Uh, Reeves, give me a whiteout for you. Uh, I think you, we gotta we gotta go to the Rams, man. No one's gonna want to play these guys because they've been awful. Uh, but games involving the Rams average 131 total offensive plays. It's fourth in the league. Games involving the Cardinals average 130.6. It's fifth in the league. Todd Gurley is dust. Uh, the Rams are they're gonna have to throw, man. And every and Goff's been good at every game against a team that's been really bad. Again, Goff is a defense doesn't matter. Defense matters, guy. Uh, he's been you know, his only good games have come against teams that rank in the bottom half of the league in passing points allowed and pressure rate. Cardinals fit both criteria. Uh, they're 17th in pressure rate, uh, and they're dead last in the NFL in passing points allowed per game. Uh, so it's kind of one of these spots. Cooper Cup's been bad for six weeks. He's had one really good game and then like really bad, terrible. Robert Woods has gotten it going. Bob Forrest has gotten cooking here. Uh, you know, came back and you know he's gotten over 25 percent of the team targets his past two games played. Uh, just kind of, I know no one wants to play those guys, but, uh, they're good plays this week. Yeah. And you know, Brandon cooks, he hasn't had another concussion yet, so we can even play him if you want. Um, yeah, a lot of guys on, I, this might be the first week I actually like the Rams guys and I always get the receiver wrong. So I hate playing golf because I never know who the hell to pair him with. Maybe it is a cup week. I don't know. Um, but I do like golf. Yeah. We'll have to think a little bit more about it. We got all week to do that. We got all of Thanksgiving to think about it. And, uh, Guys, it's been a lot of fun. Been a lot of fun. Who here? Thanksgiving Day hot take. Jago, you got one for me? Thanksgiving food is amazing. And whoever started the Thanksgiving food is bad takes. Like, those are the people that should be shunned from the face of the earth. All right. I'm comfortable with that. Reeves, any for you? Well, I mean, yeah, bad Thanksgiving food is bad, but good Thanksgiving food is is, really good. What is your favorite? What is your favorite, Reeves? Um, I, I, I've always liked, I've always been a stuffing guy. I mean, stuff, it's hard, like stuffing, mac and cheese, all that stuff. I, I mean, that's really in my wheelhouse. My only take is that if you're doing, if you're doing pie, 
you gotta go either homemade, 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 uh, homemade whipped cream, or you go ready whip. Cool whip is absolute trash and should be thrown cool. in the garbage. Cool whip is trash. That's a fair point. I'm okay with that. And favorite pie is Dagle? Pumpkin. Pumpkin. Of course it's pumpkin. That is the only pie. Reeves, you're gonna make it three for three with pumpkin, right? Yeah, I have a kid with a nut allergy, so. So okay, so Sorry, we do know no we get no, no pecan no Crane, pecan rolls this way. Crane and I had to think about if pumpkin had nuts in it really quick. We both paused for a second. I was like I was like googling pumpkin nut you know with the question mark and yeah nothing no 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 because pecan pecan is the pivot or apple but we do know pecan because uh, we have a child with and a, pecan's with a like pecan's gross like what are you doing? But my favorite Thanksgiving Day food yeah I'm a classic kind of guy my uh, my mom fries turkey every year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell y'all something. I'm be eating that all weekend, and it's going to be delicious every single time. We got to get out of here. We got our own lineups to build. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure if you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment, comment with your favorite Thanksgiving food. I want to read some of those a little bit later, but make sure you stay tuned. We got Britt and uh, Callie for the PFF show. For Reeves, for Dangle, I'm Eric. We'll catch y'all later. Peace. <laughs>